Chase Kitty hosts the Lion's Edge podcast. He joins us on the GetMyPhoenix.com guest line. The Phoenix is a revolutionary technology helping men all across America get back to their best in the bedroom. Visit BuyThePhoenix.com to learn more. We've seen a lot of movement early uh, in terms of, you know, <laughs> where where we thought the Broncos would be, and then all of a sudden next year, it's like, hmm, now they've got Sean Payton. Things change. Where are you in terms of your outlook on the Broncos before Sean Payton got hired, and then where they are heading into next year? I know we still have the draft and free agency. It's a long way to go, but mm. it's never too early to start talking about next season. It's not. I I'm a little gun-shy, I think, is where I would start. Uh, I, I, had, uh, I had some Denver Beat reporters on the podcast last summer before the season started. And I was asking, you know, paint me a picture here. Like, what's the ceiling? What's the floor? And how could it go wrong? Like, what, what's the path for it going wrong if it were to go wrong? And all I heard was, you know, short of injuries, I, I just don't see how this could go wrong. Like, there's too much talent on the roster. And it's easy to play that back now and, and listen to it be kind of silly. But it, it just the hype was so high last year. So I'm a little bit reticent, like, with all of the hype around, hey, maybe this is the year somebody gets the Chiefs in the AFC West, which I was a part of. I was big on the Raiders at the price that they had. Um, so, like, there, there's just so much AFC West noise. I was a little, I'm just a little reticent to, to go there with Denver this early. I do think the difference between Hackett and Sean Payton is really comparable to the difference between Urban Meyer and Doug Peterson in Jacksonville. I think it's it's almost one-to-one -one where you see the difference from a really bad coach to a really good coach that knows how to develop talent and, and, and lead an organization like that. Uh, so I, I, so I, I wouldn't be shocked with a big Denver jump because we saw a big jump with Jacksonville in one year, not five years, in one year last year to this year. I think that's the comp. But, boy, I want to see how some of this offseason stuff plays out first before yeah. I lose my mind betting it. Uh, Chase, we had Jason Lock and Four on a couple out, well, about an hour ago, actually, and we were talking about Lamar Jackson. He doesn't think Lamar Jackson's going to be back in Baltimore. He thinks he's going to be in the NFC South. If you're Lamar Jackson, what do you think's the better fit? Is it Carolina with that defense, or is it Atlanta with Arthur Smith calling the plays and all those offensive weapons? Where do you think, you know, you go and you could win right away? Mm, good question. Um, I, I think my gut says Atlanta because I, I trust Arthur Smith a little bit more based on yeah. you know previous resume. But I, I think, honestly, the better fit at this point for, for Lamar, I'm totally reading into the situation. You know, I, I am absolutely, like, guessing here at this point. But it feels to me like what Lamar Jackson wants isn't necessarily a specific coach, a specific scheme. I think he just wants... He wants the bag and he wants the trust that comes along with it. And I, rightly or wrongly, I think he feels like he's been denied something that he's owed in Baltimore. So if he feels like he has to go elsewhere and, and get yeses instead of noes and somebody else is willing to give him whatever he wants, even if I feel like what he's asking for is kind of you know over the top, if that's what the guy wants, then, then he's going to go there and he's going to get it. And I think that's maybe the key to getting good play out of him. We were talking about this at the break a couple of uh, segments ago. Would you, if you're the Cincinnati Bengals, would you trade uh, T. Higgins for the number one overall pick? Because most likely, uh, to the Bears, obviously, because most likely you're not going to be able to pay Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. You've got a lot of moves to make. you still got to pay Joe Burrow, still got to pay Jesse Bates, a lot of guys uh, that you need to spread the sugar to. 
Yeah, Tristan, that's such a smart thought. I was actually just thinking about this earlier this week. You cannot pay all three guys. I think I was on the show last week talking about how the three of them together, they cost $20 million. Compare that to other teams. It's not even close to that number. It's way, way higher. So as long as you have that core together for that amount of money, for a reasonable, not even reasonable, for a way, way lower than reasonable amount of money, your Super Bowl window is open. As soon as you've got to start paying guys, it gets really hard to maintain the 1-53 to depth that you need to be a Super Bowl contender like Philadelphia has this year. So without having all three of those contracts in front of me and, and when they sort of taper off, I would say get the most utility out of those guys that you can while you can, but you know you can't pay them. So I think a move like that, people are going to perceive it as aggressive, but I think it's really smart. All right, we got the Super Bowl coming up in what feels like two months away, but we know there's always this long wait that we have to go through. That's just the way that it goes, Chase. Uh, When we get more and more props starting to come out, I'm a big Super Bowl props guy. I just love some of the most ridiculous ones. Even if I think it's over the top, sometimes I just want to have a little action on it just because. How involved are you on the props market? How early do you start betting on the Super Bowl, and how long before you just say, like, I'm done, or are you all the way in and then live betting it on top of that? So when when am I first betting it? I'm up at 11 o'clock at night, Sunday night, waiting for the Virgin number to come out and, and just hit it like I can. Like And and that's exactly what I did. Comes out, I, I saw a, a Philadelphia pick, and I grabbed it. And maybe, maybe I'll hedge out of that, and I'll buy the other side. Maybe I won't. We'll see. But it, as as the props come up, the general advice I give on the podcast is this is, this is one of the only times throughout the year where I say just, like, Forget about the making money part of this for a second. If you see a prop you want to bet, just bet it. Put $5 on it. Like it, it, this, is, this is kind of its own event where betting it, it is a way to consume it in a way that's different than other sports and other championship games. So I think that's my general feel is like just have a good time, have people over the house, like hit a couple, hit a couple props, hit 12 props, see how many props you can hit. Do some parlays that maybe you wouldn't normally do. Just have a good time with it. Um, When it comes to, like, the real positions that I really want to lock in for, it's definitely a side. It's maybe a total. It's maybe maybe some kind of, like, really small same-game parlay. And then three to four props, usually, like, yardage or completions or pass attempts or something like that. But I I keep it – I keep the the firm stuff small, and then I kind of expand out with let's just have some fun with it. With props, Chase, just to kind of like follow up on that, do you do early props, overs, uh, late prop, unders, given how much public money is going to be in on the prop market compared to, you know, week to week in the NFL? Uh, that, I mean, that's generally the the approach. I And I'm more of a late unders guy than an early overs guy. I don't bet a ton of overs just on spec. But, I mean, that's, that's exactly how you want to do it because you know the public volume is always going to be on over. You know the lifespan of a prop especially a two-week lifespan like this instead of a normal one-week lifespan we have. I mean, you know that all the numbers are going to go up. That's just how it goes. So, like, yeah, that's, that's, the, uh, that's the standard advice you give to everybody is early overs, late unders. So now that we got uh, two weeks before the big game, and like you said, you already played the Eagles at pick, and you might go back on the other side, what are you going to do to keep yourself busy? Because we just wrapped up the Australian Open. We got college mm-hmm. basketball. Like, is now the time to buy into the futures market? Or no, absolutely not, especially this year, man, because you could really make the case for like 30 different teams. 
Uh, I mean, yeah, you could do some early futures work. Uh, you can you can do some some college football work. I, I bet a ton of college basketball. I'm on Maryland right now. I think that game's pretty early, so you could go grab it live if you want. I really like the the Terps tonight. Uh, it's always time to bet tennis, man. Tennis is year round, and I'm I'm I mean, there's a random tournament in Thailand right now. The uh, yeah, there's an indoor tournament in Leon uh, that I have a play for tomorrow morning. So I mean, there's once you have some of the year round sports. Like you can kind of come in and out of the big ticket items as you want. You can dip into futures. You can dip into you know Super Bowl plays and, and random college basketball. But once you have a couple of those full year sports that you really know how to bet, like it's you, you're never lacking for action. I think. Well, you brought up college football, and you know that that's what I care about. So you've probably by now you've seen Notre Dame's schedule. A couple weeks ago, <laughs> I did I did call them. Uh, national title contenders <laughs> i felt good about sam hartman did you see that schedule ohio state i i did yeah did you see usc <laughs> i think duke this i is, think duke might beat them i think this I, is that, what they call in the biz a leading question right <laughs> so what i want to ask you is you look at all these quarterbacks that have changed scenery and i think sam hartman probably the best like I like Devin Leary not as much as I like Sam Hartman I don't know if he's an NFL Great. starter he's probably a backup but I he broke the ACC touchdown record so you look at Notre Dame what would you do I mean the win total is probably going to be eight and a half nine do you think that they're legit title contenders or absolutely not Ryan I here's here's the question I need answered and I trust you because yeah. I'm sure you watched way more Notre Dame last year than I did unfortunately it, what's the coaching situation there like is he for real because yeah, I, I, yeah. I know he's a great recruiter. I don't think he can touch Brian Kelly in terms of the X's and O's. No, absolutely not. Like, Brian Kelly, as crazy as this sounds, is still very underrated. Um, Brian Kelly's he's a really awesome. good coach. Like, I won't be shocked when LSU wins a national title here in the next three to four years. I like Marcus Freeman. I think he's a great motivational, rah-rah, players coach kind of guy. I worry a little bit about Tommy Reese, but it's kind of hard to judge Tommy Reese when I haven't seen him with an actual quarterback. Like, the best quarterback he's had is Ian Book. So, with Hartman, maybe there's some reason to buy in, some reason to believe. But I don't know. USC is going to be really tough this year, and they they see USC. I think they'll be even better this year. Defensively, I like a couple of their recruits. So, my it's, advice would probably a, be that, yeah, stay away. It's a tough schedule. Mm -hmm. With Brian Kelly, you were getting all of the X's and O's benefits of having Brian Kelly as your head coach, but you were also getting the great recruiting that Freeman was giving you. Right. Now you don't have the X's and O's component, and the schedule's really hard, and with all that before they couldn't get over the hump in the championship games or the playoff games against better competition, I don't know what the argument is to buy him this year. Yeah, and I mean, like, what are we sorry. even talking about? Georgia's winning the third straight, so let's just just <laughs> move on. Really quickly, not to go back to the NFL and jump around too much, Chase, what would be the scenario where you would want to jump back on Kansas City? Like, is there a number that that gets to? Is that injury information that comes out with the receivers and with the DBs? Like, what what exactly goes into how you decide whether you want to hedge? Well, the first part of it, and probably the most important part, it's the number part, right? It's, I have Philadelphia at pick. If ever I can get Kansas City three without having to buy, like, half a point and mess with the VIG, it's an automatic for me because now I've got I've got the Philadelphia win. I've got the key number of plus three. We're in, and I, and I don't care about any of the other stuff. Um, that is, I would say, extremely unlikely based on the movement we've seen over the last twenty-four to thirty-six hours because it's going back toward Kansas City. Uh, the second part of it for me would be what's the health situation, which you referred to. Uh, it's awesome that Mahomes 
like played better than I really thought he was going to, given the fact that they said he had a high ankle sprain. But my understanding of high ankle sprains is he's not going to be fully good to go until after the Super Bowl's played, probably a couple weeks after that. So I, I just don't really buy the whole Mahomes is good to go. He wasn't on the injury report thing. I'm just not buying it. Uh, I, it doesn't mean he's not going to play as well or better than he did against Cincinnati on Sunday. It's just that's the nature of the injury is it takes a little while to get over a high ankle sprain, assuming they are being honest about what the injury is, which if I was in their shoes, I wouldn't be. What incentive do you have to tell the truth? But I'm going to assume that they're telling the truth. Um, I need to hear a little bit more about uh, some of the corners. I need to hear a little bit more about some of the receivers. Um, but if I hear good things or even the things are pointed in the right direction, I would think about just buying out of it and having like a Kansas City plus one. And then at worst, I have an unlikely like push one win the other situation. Uh, for me, what I get a little bit nervous about with the Eagles is, are we sure Hurts is good to go? Because they had very little resistance with a wild card by a like steamroll win against the Giants that was basically a repeat of their first game the first weekend of December, and then a, a walkover against a 49ers team that didn't have a quarterback. So I think a lot of NFL teams would have posted similar results that the Eagles did, not to take anything away from them, but as a gambler, you want to have a skeptical mind, and there's plenty of reason to wonder, is this a mirage or is this for real? I have no questions about the depth of the roster or the talent at the line of scrimmage. It's all about Jalen Hurts and his health for me because you're going to have to outduel Patrick Mahomes, and you're not going to get a free pass on that one. Yeah, we got two quarterbacks where the health is clearly going to be part of the conversation. Chase Kitty, host of the Lions Edge podcast. Always good talking. Thanks, Chase. Thanks, guys.